0: Turn with me in the scripture, please, to the book of John, John chapter 10, then also we'll go to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. John 10 and 2 Corinthians 9. In John the 10th chapter, notice this, Jesus is speaking in John 10 and and verse 10. He said, the thief comes not. But for to steal and to kill and to destroy, who is the thief? Jesus is speaking here, so he's certainly not talking about himself. He's not calling himself the thief. How many would agree Jesus is not the thief? Is he talking about God the Father? He's not talking about God the Father. Why would I say that? Because you've got millions of Christians that are blaming God. For things that they've lost in life, things that were destroyed in their life, things that were stolen from them and taken from. Them. You got preachers that say, Well, you know, God took it and we don't know why. What well, Jesus said is the thief that's stealing and killing and destroying. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. According to Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Say it out loud everybody. Jesus came. came. So I could have life. life. Abundant life. life." (laughs) That's why he came. That's why he came. To listen to some preachers. You'd think Jesus came. So you could suffer. That's the main emphasis. And don't misunderstand me. If you follow him fully, you will suffer not getting your way. Right. <laughs> you will have to be willing to lay some things down and turn loose of some things. and You will. But in doing so, he's not going to strip you and take away from you and leave you there. He's going to give you abundant life. Amen. Do you believe it, saints? Amen. Let me read this to you from uh, the complete Jewish Bible says, he said, I came that they may have life, life in its fullest measure. The Amplified says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Thank you, Lord. Now, this word abound, you see it in several other verses. It's a rich, rich word. It actually is so big, it needs an extra word or two. That's why I amplify, the Amplified put that in there. It involved the idea of overflowing. Because abundance means more than enough. If you've got more than enough, you've got too much for the need. Next time the thought comes to your mind. Wonder if we'll have enough. You say no. We won't have enough. We will have. More than enough. We'll have too much. For it to be enough. We'll have more than. Enough. Now you have to get your mind renewed. To think like this. Because the church has been taught something else. By and large. People have been taught, you know, not to expect anything extra and that it was greedy to ask for anything extra. But there's a real problem in that mentality. People say, well, I don't want much and I don't need much. If I've got enough for me and my spouse and and my kids and and we got our bills paid, you know, that's all, that's all I need. That's all any of us really need. (laughs) You're wrong. You need a lot more than that. If you never have any more than that. How will you help anyone else? How are you going to help the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. Our overflow. Our extra. Is our ministry. Everything we've been able to do. In ministry, everything Phyllis and myself have been able to do, everything in More Life Ministries and and in the churches, that's not our bills being taken care of. That's not our personal desires. And everything that you've sown into the churches and into the projects, that wasn't just your personal stuff, it was beyond. I said it was beyond. And because of the overflow, if all we ever had was just enough to pay the utilities for the church, there would be no project for the boat in the South Pacific or the truck for the MXers. There'd be no ministry down in Florida. Come on, are you listening? There'd be no food banks helped. There would be none of these things. There'd be no storm quick response things. There'd be none of it. None of it. So the people who fight so-called prosperity are fighting ministry. Don't call it prosperity. If you don't like that word, use another word. (laughs) Extra. Plenty. It's ability. Somebody say ability. Ability. (laughs) It's ability. This word, this translated abundance... It's also translated abound and abounding. Let me give you the definitions of it. It means surplusage. I'm like the sound of that. I'm reading from Strong's and Vines and Thayer's. These are not my words. Surplusage. Another one says superabundance. Because super means above, beyond. It's beyond abundance. <laughs> I like that phrase, don't you? <laughs> beyond abundance. It means to superabound, to be in excess. Excessive is another word. Overflow. Let me read you some of the places where it's translated. I won't give you the references. One says over and above. Another one says enough and to spare. Another one says superabundance. We use that phrase all the time, don't we? Over and above. Now go with me, please, to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. And let's see another place where this word is used. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Why did Jesus come? So we could have life and not just... Subsist the Amplified said, Have and enjoy life to the full until it overflows. Does that bless anybody besides me? You liked it? Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter. It says verse six This I say he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Who determines how we reap? We do. Not God. We do. He left it up to us. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. One thing about the Lord. He's not going to make us do anything. I've heard preachers say, I had a preacher get upset with me one time. He said, I want you to know that God is almighty and he gets ready for you to do something. By God, he'll make you do it. I said, no, he won't. (laughs) If he was going to make anybody do something, he'd make everybody get saved, get born again. Not go to hell. Everything else is less important than that. Would you agree? And if he's not making people do that. Then he's not making people do lesser. Less significant things. It's not true. The Lord really has given us a free will. And we can choose. To obey him or not. Believe him or not. And. uh he 's not going to make you give, he 's not going to make you believe him he 's not going to make you obey him. He wants you to do it not because anybody's making you, not grudgingly don't do it grudgingly. Do it gladly. He loves a cheerful giver. Should that mean anything to you and I? God is God real and to find out here's something God loves. <laughs> The Almighty loves this. What does he love? A cheerful, other translations say, glad to do it, happy to do it, prompt to do it, giver who delights and rejoices in their giving. No wonder the devil fights this like he does. Because God happens to love it. Right? If he loves it, how should you feel about it? There's a whole lot of Christians, if they'd be honest, they'd say, I don't think much about it. Don't think much of it. I get tired of everybody talking about giving, giving, giving. (laughs) Well, he doesn't want you to give in that frame of mind, does he? He doesn't want you to. Relax, we're not taking up another offering, (laughs) we're reading the Bible. But we're not just talking about giving money. We're talking about giving all things. Just being a giver. Giving you time. Giving you friendship. Giving you loyalty. Giving you skills. Your abilities. Right? On and on and on. God loves a cheerful giver. Keep reading verse 8. And... If you are a cheerful giver and you're giving heartily, gladly unto him, what's going to happen? He's able to make all grace abound towards you. How many can see you never minister to him without something else happening? Can you see this? We've seen it in these places already, these two tonight, but you see it over and over and over again you don't trust in God and obey Him and that's the end of the story you don't give Him anything sincerely from your heart and that's the end of it (laughs) you do anything sincerely in love and faith and and gladly willingly what's going to happen grace is coming back to you do you believe it saints grace and not just a trickle Here's this word. Abound. 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 Abound's a big word. Can you see it? This grace abounding towards you. Glory to God. Glory to God. I just saw it. I just saw it. And it looked, the best thing I can describe it, have you ever seen a picture Of these gigantic dust storms. That come in in different places in the desert. I mean they just span miles and miles and miles. And when they come in they cover everything. You can't see anything. When I said that I saw grace coming like that. That's abounding. Glory Glory to God. Glory. Glory to God that's abounding oh, wow. towards you you see it coming towards you yeah. wow, but instead of running and hiding yeah, yeah. Yeah. it ain't a dirt storm yeah. Yeah. it ain't a grit storm oh, it's a gray storm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> say y'all are a funny bunch you'd be funny too if you believed it You'd be happy too if you believed it. God's able to make all grace abound. Can you see it rolling? Toward you. That you always. Having all sufficiency. In all things. May abound. To every good work now if you read the 8th chapter and the ninth chapter right here together it's indisputable to an honest person he's talking about offerings and money and material things and here he talks about always having everything you need but not ending there is everybody awake you always have all sufficiency in all areas but that's not the end of the sentence That's not the end of the verse. What's the next part? That you may abound. There it is. Did he have to use the word twice? Abound to every good work. Let me read some other translations of this to you. The RSV says God's able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. Are we reading the will of God? Is this the will of God for every believer? Tell me what the will of God is for you. You always have enough of everything. And don't leave out the end. And you may provide in abundance for every good work. This is the will of God for me, for you. Holman's translation says, God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Excel, what does that mean? That's not the cheapest. Excelling is the good stuff. Excelling is doing it right. Doing it top notch. Did I lose somebody? Today's English version says, God is able to give you more than you need so that you always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. This is God's will. So is it the will of God for us to not have enough to pay our bills and take care of our needs and certainly if you don't have enough to do that, you don't have enough to help somebody else either. That's not the will of God. This is the will of God. Complete English version says it like this God can bless you with everything you need, and you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. Say it out loud God is equipping me. Is me. All grace. All is abounding towards, me, is abounding towards enabling me, enabling me to do all kinds of good things you for others. Thank you, Lord. God's Word translation says, besides God will give you His constantly overflowing kindness, then when you always have everything you need, you can do more and more good things. Do you know if Jesus himself manifested here tonight and said this, it wouldn't be any more true than this book right here, would it? Is this a word to us? You can believe something else if you want to. And do without and never have it. Or you can believe this. And no matter how low down you may be at the moment financially, no matter how much lack you've been in, God can use you. As a vessel to bless others and to help others. Do you believe it, saints? Yes. First of all, you got to be convinced it's the will of God for me. And you have to be willing to go after it. It's easy to be passive, to be lazy, spiritually lazy. It's easier just to believe maybe it's not God's will. Then you don't have to even try you can just say K Sarah <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. I guess it wasn't meant to be. But that's not true. The word is true no matter what we've experienced or what we haven't experienced. Do you believe it? Yes, sir. The word's true. Listen to the weist translation. I guess some people pronounce it woost. He said, moreover, God is powerful to make every grace superabound to you in order that having always an all sufficiency in all things, you may superabound to every good work. Even as it stands written, He, the liberal person, scattered abroad, He gave to those who are poor, His righteousness abides forever. Somebody say glory to, glory to God. Glory to God. We just read the will of God. It is the will of God for you, for me, for us to have overflowing abundance, ability to help others. Now we need to clarify because there's been some some wrong emphasis. Go to Matthew the sixth chapter, please. Matthew six. And then we'll read also First Timothy six. Go from one to the other. I tell you, let's do it the other way around. First Timothy six. First Timothy, sixth chapter, verse five. 1 Timothy 6, 5 says, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. There have been some that have emphasized prosperity, excluding other things, and left the impression that your spiritual development Is evidenced by your material gain. And that's not true. That's not right. Gain is not godliness. Jesus warned us. We'll look at it later. If he leads and time permits. That He warned us. He said beware of covetousness. A man's life does not consist. In the abundance of the things he possesses. Keep reading verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what's gain. And there's not enough stuff on the planet to give you that. Heard a fellow say one time, this was, uh, oh man, this was 25 years ago at least. And he had just got a $100,000 Porsche. And this was 25 years ago. And somebody asked him. He'd had it a little while. They asked him. Man what's the greatest thing. About getting that car. He said. "Uh, The week before I got it. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a revelation. Because. He built it up in his mind. you know. What this is. But then after you get it. No matter how nice it is, you're going to realize it's still a car. It didn't turn you into Superman or anything else. And and it don't fix everything in your life. And and you can chip the paint just like you can on your old pickup. (laughs) And it gets dirty the same and it's wearing out and it can break. And malfunction just like any of the rest of them. Because after all, it's just a car. <laughs> now see a lot of folks could say, oh no, it's not just a car. Yes, it is. It is. Just a car. Everything down here is just a thing. Isn't it? Everything down here is like a gallon of milk. It's got a date on it. you know what I mean by that? It's only good for a little while. So why am I saying this? We should not pump up ownership the way people do get in. That's mine. I own it. It'll soon be gone. Everything down here is going to melt with fervent heat. Is that right? There's not one house going to make it out of this. (laughs) Not a one. It's all just for temporary use. For one thing, you're down here about that long. Keep reading. He said, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. That's for sure. Like one fellow said, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. (laughs) Right? that's no good and having food and raiment let us be there with content he keeps talking about contentment contentment some people would seize on that and say well see there if you got something to eat you got something to wear that's all you need no that's not all you need that's all you need to be personally content but that's not all you need in life. And you see it in the rest of the same chapter. We're about to get to. He deals with it. But if you can't be content. Without that house or that car. Then you won't be content with it either. Amen. That's right. There will always be something else. And none of it can satisfy you. Permanently. And completely, we are complete in Him. And you are to be, no matter what you have or don't have or don't have yet, none of us should be postponing our happiness until any of that. Because we are born again blood washed, children of God, name in the Lamb's book of life, now, behold, now are we the sons of God, the scripture said, right? And compared to that, they're working on our place in heaven right now, is that right? They're working on our real place, our nice stuff is there, it's never going to wear out. It won't rot. It won't rust. We shouldn't be hung up on this stuff. Be thankful for it. Enjoy it. Use it. Help other people with it. But it's not worth that much. Even the most expensive, nicest, biggest things. To look at it and to ooh and ah. And treat it like an idol. Is ignorant. And not aware of what really matters keep going, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, that means a trap, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root Of all evil or all kinds of evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Some people might read that and say, well, see there, you shouldn't want to be rich, because look at there. (laughs) No. We're going to see just a few verses later. He talks about the benefits of having riches and extra. But what is this talking about? This is talking about they that will be rich, they that that is their central focus. That is their main thing. Basically, that's their god. It's going to bring them nothing but pain. They pierced themselves through with many sorrows and a lot of folks. In our circles. Have had a wrong emphasis. Too much emphasis. On the money and stuff. For me. Using prosperity verses. And faith principles. But the focus is. For me. To get what I want. Get what I desire. And actually violate. The first principle of prosperity. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these. Things. Shall be added to you. But see your pursuit. Is not to be rich. Your pursuit. Is to accomplish the plan of God. Your pursuit. Is not the accumulation. Of things. And money. Your pursuit. Is doing what he told you to do. And helping others. Big. Big difference. Do you believe it sir? See. You can get rich. Without God. There are people that blaspheme God that are very rich the Bible don't take my word for it the Bible talks about people that get rich by wrong means and how they won't be able to hold on to it and how they'll lose it and how that even some wicked they're gathering up and they'll give it to those that have mercy on the poor not give it but it'll wind up in their hands wealth of the sinner laid up for the just I mean, you can get stuff a number of different ways. Lying, stealing. I heard about somebody a while back, just recently, maybe i saw it on the news. They got millions of dollars worth, was it diamonds? And by stealing them, <laughs> they just took them. And so they got millions of dollars. Did God give it to them? No. You can get stuff. By your efforts and your pushing. But if you are going to get God's blessing, God's enablement, it is tied directly to His plan. His provision is tied to His plan. And Him prospering us is inseparable from us being where He told us to be, doing what He told us to do. Come on, are you listening? It's inseparable from that. If you're going to get his ability. His blessing. His resources. It only comes. When his plan. Is your number one pursuit. Can you say amen. Amen. Thank you Lord. Thank you Father. Skip on down to the 17th verse. In that same 6th chapter. Charge them that are rich. In this world. To get rid of all that stuff. Because you can't serve God. No, no, no. That's religious men's ideas. What did he say? Don't be high-minded. And don't trust in the riches. They're uncertain. They're unsure. Trust in the living God. Who what? Gives us richly all things to enjoy. So he does want you to have some things, right? He wants you to have them richly. Even wants you to enjoy some things, but he doesn't want the things to be number one on your mind. And you pursuing above all other things that you're going to be rich and you're going to have money and you're going to get the big house and you're going to get the car and you're going to do this. If that's number one, you're on your own getting it. You are. And you may get it, but it don't mean God gave it to you. And it doesn't mean it'll make you happy or fulfill you or satisfy you. On the other hand, God has a plan. Right? Not your plan. His plan. And it's not building your kingdom. It's building his kingdom, right? And it's going to take more than you could ever make to to do that. Somebody say glory to God. But if you want what he wants for the same reasons he wants it, you become unstoppable, undefeatable. Glory to God. Why? It doesn't make any difference. If it costs $100,000. God can finance it. He can underwrite it. If it costs $10 million. He can do it. If it costs $10 billion. He creates stars. A billion dollars must look like a drop in the bucket to him. But now, if you want a billion dollars just so you can say you're a billionaire and you don't have time to even help out at the church, you're on your own getting it. I'm not saying you can't get it, but it won't be him adding it to you. And when it's all said and done... I don't care if you had a 50-story building and, and your office was the biggest one in the city and, and you had all kind of power and influence 10,000 years from now, nobody will know or care. You had $10 million yacht and spent your vacations in the south of France and nobody will know or care. Did you hear me, friends? Yeah. Don't okay, care how rich you were. But, but if you had a part in the work of God, if you had a part in the kingdom being advanced, in building the Lord's body and house, you will forever be remembered. Your reward will never tarnish, nor never fade. Hallelujah. If you helped the ministries that the Lord called and anointed and put in the earth, accomplished the vision and the plan, if you're a part of it, it'll never be forgotten. Never. Your reward will gleam bright throughout the ages. That's being rich. (laughs) Do you believe it, saints? That's being rich. You know, the, the Lord said this in the book of Revelation. Anybody been reading in the book of Revelation yeah. recently? Yeah. Revelation 3 and uh, 17. Three I'm reading out of the Young's literal translation. He says, you say, I am rich, and have grown rich, and have need of nothing, and you have not known You are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They thought they were rich. (laughs) And were as broke as anybody could be. Why? The Bible talks about being rich in this world. Contrast it with being rich in God. Rich in this world. Fleeting. Passing no eternal significance. Rich in God is another thing. <laughs> Somebody say rich in, rich, in rich in God. Rich in God. Psalm seventy-three, twelve. you don't have to turn there. Psalm seventy-three, twelve says the ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. But Luke 12, we'll be looking at this later, it talks about those that are rich toward God. Rich in God. Somebody say, Rich in God. Rich in God. What do you want to be? Rich in God. Rich in God. In God. Let me finish reading Revelation 3:17. We read 17, 18. Verse 18. He says, I counsel you to buy from me, God says, gold fired by fire, that you may be rich white garments that you may be arrayed and the shame of your nakedness may not manifest and with eye salve anoint your eyes that you may see. He wants us to be rich, but with something beyond just rich in this world. Revelation 2, he said to another group, the assembly Smyrna, to the messenger of the assembly, these things says the first and the last who did become dead and live. Revelation 2, 8, verse 9, I have known your works, tribulation, poverty, yet you are rich. And the evil speaking of those that say they be Jews and are not. He said, they don't see you as rich, but you are. I say you're rich. Why? Because they had been willing to sacrifice, even if they didn't have much, they were willing to give it and sow it and do it. They're willing to lay their lives down. And because they were. God said. You are rich. You are rich. Thank you Lord. What is rich? Rich in God. Is rich. And it's not how many cars you got. How many houses you got. How much money you got in the bank. It is. Ability. To accomplish his will in the earth. Yes, yes. It is ability. To get his word. To people. Yes. Do you believe it saints? Yes. It is ability. To accomplish our part. Of the plan. That is rich. Yes. Having everything you need. In every area. And. And. And abounding to every good work. You've heard me say it. I I said it by the Spirit of God. Time after time when we stand up and say, we're getting our houses, our buildings, our lands, our vehicles. You've heard me say it. This is not just about accumulating a bunch of stuff. This is tied to the kingdom. This is tied to the plan. And we need. Houses. Buildings. Lands. Vehicles. To do what he's called us to do. And we need to excel at it. Which means we need good ones. Top notch ones. Let me tell you something that. Brother Hagin. Kenneth Hagin. uh, Who's in heaven now. My father in the faith. He had a visitation of the Lord. And he had to overcome a lot of wrong thinking about finances. And, of course, you know, you're looking back then, he didn't see it. But the Lord was going to have him build a Bible school and send the word around the world. That cost a lot of money, right? If he doesn't get his thinking changed on some of these things, it's going to hinder. And so, among other things, he said the Lord appeared to him. And was speaking to him about some things. And one of the things he told him, he said, if you'll learn to follow my spirit, I'll make you rich. He said, when he said it, he thought, Hmm, that don't sound right. You know, <laughs> he didn't say it, but he's he that's not how he grew up. He's heard, you know, the rich are the ungodly. And Before he could say anything, he said, the Lord said to him, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. In fact, he said, he told him, he said, I expect my people to have the best place in town to meet in. He said, the head of the church told him that. Well, why not? Is there anything more important going on than kingdom business, than people being saved, getting to God? Eternity is being affected. He said, I expect my people to have the best place in town to meet in. Well, why wouldn't we? Would it be because he couldn't do it? Because he didn't want us to have it. He'd rather us to have something substandard, somewhere or another that glorifies him, for us to have a, a substandard place. This is wrong thinking. Now, if you're doing the best you can, the Lord sees your heart. He blesses you. But you always have a vision to come up another notch. Right? You always have a vision to excel. And know with the Lord it's an easy thing. To provide for it. To enable for it. The big question is, is it his will? Is it his plan? Keep reading there in 1 Timothy 6. Verse 18 he says that they do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute Willing to communicate? Does he want us to be rich? Verse 17 and 18, First Timothy 6. I preached on this one time and I kept reading it rich, richly, all things, rich in good works, rich. And a fellow met me out in the parking lot. So mad, I thought he was going to cuss. Looked like he's going to take a swing He said, that ain't right. That ain't right. I said, what ain't right? All that rich stuff. I said, which verse didn't you like? Oh, that made him mad. I'm reading verses, right? And it's sad that people are so brainwashed with men's religious tradition that they throw this word away in order to keep their unbelieving tradition. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly. No, it's not about us just stockpiling stuff, but when it comes to doing His plan and doing His will, He wants us to have everything and the best and more than you need. Do you believe it, saints? That is His will. That is His plan. (laughs) Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who does what? The living God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Say out loud. The living God, the living God gives me, gives me richly, richly all things to enjoy. Things to enjoy. <laughs> Are we reading the Bible here now? Huh? Now, if you believe something else more than you believe this, you're in trouble. Don't do it. Change. You said, well, I hadn't been experiencing that. Well, maybe I hadn't been believing it. Don't try to water down the Bible to fit your lack of experience. Let God elevate your experience to match this. Verse 18, that they what? See, when God has given you richly all things to enjoy... That doesn't have to just be personal stuff. We're enjoying our nice place right here. Right now. Yep. We're enjoying the nice place there in Florida. We're enjoying the internet equipment. We're into, I enjoy seeing this building go up over here. Yeah. Me and Dave was walking through it yesterday. I'm just saying thank you Jesus. <laughs> Thank you Lord. I'm enjoying myself. Just walking around looking because I'm thinking this thing is going to put the word out. Do you believe it or not? I'm enjoying it. He gave us a good place to sleep at and eat at. I enjoy that. Something good to ride in. Something good to fly in to get to the meeting. I enjoy that. But none of it is severed away from his plan. You hear people talking about separating their personal life from their ministry. I don't know what they're talking about. Because in order to obey him. it's not You don't just give him some of your stuff. You give him you. You got to be willing. To give him everything. Everything. Somebody say everything. And if you do. He's gonna give you richly all things to enjoy that, that you may what? Do good. And so you can be rich, not in just a bunch of stuff at your house, but rich in good works. And you're ready to distribute. Ready. That means give, share. You're ready. Not only are you ready, you're able. Willing to communicate. That means share. And when you're doing it. You're laying up in store. For yourself. A good foundation. Against the time to come. That they may lay hold. On eternal life. Now this affects. This life too. Go back to Luke 12. And you can see he's actually talking about. The same thing. When he says eternal life. Luke 12. About verse 13. Luke 12. And 13. One of the company said unto him. Unto Jesus. Master. Speak to my brother. That he divide the inheritance with me. The man told Jesus. Would you tell my brother that he's supposed to divide the inheritance with me. He wouldn't have said that unless he was pretty sure that Jesus is going to take his side on this and say, yeah, what do you mean not dividing the inheritance? Better do what's right. (laughs) But he didn't. I said he didn't. He said, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? (laughs) That's not the answer he wanted, I'm sure. (laughs) And he went on to say, take heed, that means watch out, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So much of people's identity is rolled up in their stuff, who they are, their house, their land. Their livestock, their vehicles, their equipment. There are guys, you take away their bulldozer, they don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> there are ladies, you take away their kitchen and their silverware and their china and their, and they can't do that. Or their business, business women or business men, you take away their office and their blackberries and their Computers, and they'll have an identity crisis. Bad as a drug addict. They keep reaching for their Blackberry to try to text somebody. Keep reaching for their, trying to hear the ding of an email or something. That's not who you are. My great grandparents own this land and farm this land and my grandparents farm this land and us and the land are one. No, that's not who you are. Now, if you stay with that, you're going to experience an identity crisis in life. You're going to experience, and when if anything ever looks like it, it could take that away from you, fear will go off the chart with you. You won't know what to do with yourself. Be thankful for it. Enjoy it. But it's not who you are. Everything down here is temporary. All the stuff is temporary. The only permanent thing you're doing is that which pertains to his plan. Yeah, we need to do some other things, but all of it needs to be attached to that. And if you're going to have his provision, it has to be attached to the plan. That's the only way it comes from him. Can you say amen? Amen. He went on to say verse 16. He said, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, So you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Has he any focus on God? None. It's all about him. I got it made, I'm going to retire. I won't have to work another day in my life. I got everything set. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger. I'll have bigger reserves. Bigger savings. Bigger this, bigger that. And just take it easy. Kick back. Enjoy myself. Let me say, what's wrong with that? That's the American dream. Yeah, but are you a Christian or not? If you're a Christian... The American dream is not your ultimate vision. No. The kingdom of God. Expanding. Is your vision. People getting saved is your vision. People getting back to God is your vision. People being set free. Delivered from bondages. And habits. And sins. And healed. And their babies healed and their needs met and yeah. their marriage is restored. Amen. And yeah. Close yeah. to God. And yeah. Full of peace and full of joy. Because yeah. in a few more blinks and breaths, we're out of here. Yeah. We're out of here. Yeah. That's our vision. Isn't it? Yeah. People talk about retiring. Somebody told me the other day that a preacher had retired after um, it was 25 years. Well, so that's, you know, people retire. That's long enough. Well, I guess I could have retired five years ago then. <laughs> we have already been going 30. So, when are you going to retire? Either when I breathe my last breath or the trumpet sounds. Whichever happens first. You don't retire from working for God, you don't retire from building the kingdom. Do you believe in saints or not? No. Things should just pick up speed. Things should get bigger and greater and more exciting. exciting. Right? (laughs) And you should be having to believe God every day. God, you're going to have to quicken me now. I'm 98 years old. You're going to have to give me a zap here to get me going. And I need another $5 million. To do this thing at your time. Come on are y'all listening? And how many believe he will give you both? He'll give you the healing. He'll give you the quickening. The strength. The favor. The money. The stuff. The help. If. 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 If what? If you're doing. His will. His plan. His thing. You are not going to waste money. Doing what he told you to do. Mister, right. What if I spent too much on that piece of equipment? You really can't. You know what you waste money on? Stuff he didn't tell you to do. That's a total waste. If it involved doing what he told you to do, even if you paid twice the market price on it, you didn't waste money on it. Because it has kingdom significance. And I assure you, God's not going to be upset over those few extra dollars. <laughs> it's like nothing to him. You always do the best you know how, but do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. People labor over these stuff, and, and, and sometimes they're just throwing money away on stuff he didn't tell them to do. And that, that's waste. That's waste. Keep reading. He said, I'll say to my soul, soul. You got much goods laid up for many years. You, had, you got it made, bud. Take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry, have a good time. God said, fool. <laughs> Tonight, <laughs> you're out of here. And all this stuff you got, who's going to wind up with it? Not you. Why? Because you can't take it with you. Verse 21, verse 21. So is he that, what? Lays up treasure for himself. That would make you rich in this world. But not, is not rich toward God. I don't want that, do you? And see, all this flows together. Verse 22, he said, Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall put on is he serious about this or not when he says, don't take? Why would you not take thought about it? Because your focus is on something else. For actually, for decades now, I don't even think about, am I going to get another meal? I don't think about, reckon I'll be able to get some clothes. I don't even think about it. So, Mrs. Well, you're well off. Not as well off as I'm going to be. (laughs) But I don't care. This happened when we hardly had anything. When I didn't have enough decent clothes to wear. You begin to see. Trying to get the clothes. Trying to get the money. Is the wrong thing to do. You can chase that from now on. That's what the whole world is doing. You're not supposed to be chasing that. What are you supposed to be pursuing? Doing what he told me to do. Doing what the plan is. Accomplishing the ministry. Accomplishing the kingdom business. And if you will do that, that's why he said, don't take a thought. Sit out loud. Take no thought. Don't even think about what you're going to need. Your clothes or your kids or your grandkids' clothes. Don't even think about what y'all are going to need to eat. Don't even think about where you're going to need to stay. Don't even think about it as far as worrying about it and how am I going to get it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Your life is more than food. Your body is more than clothes. Corinthians says the body's for the Lord. The Lord's for the body. And he goes on and talks about the ravens. And he talks about the lilies of the field. And how that they don't worry, they don't fret, God takes care of them. Verse 29, seek not ye what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Don't be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you have need of all these things. Oh friend, he's describing a higher way of living. You can live down here with everybody else and you can worry about the price of gas and you can worry about taxes and you can worry about the fluctuation of the dollar and you can worry about should I get gold or silver and you can worry, come on, are you listening? You can worry just like unsaved people and you can live in fear and you can work yourself silly. And you can try to scrimp and save and pinch every penny and do everything. And you will consistently come up short. And you will not tap in to this overflowing abundance that the Lord is talking about. What did he say? All the nations. That's what they do. All the unsaved. They're making a living. They're pushing. They're pursuing. But your father already knows everything you're going to need, including everything you'll ever need to do what he's told you to do. He's not trying to figure out how to get it and how to make it work. It was provided before you were born. He's already got it laid out. But all of the provision stops are only on the road to his plan, his will. And if you get off on another road that you decide to go on, the provision is not there. You're on the wrong road. He said, your father knows you have need of these things. Keep reading. But rather do what? Seek ye the kingdom of God, and what'll happen? What'll happen? This is not you chasing all the things. This is Him adding them to you. Friends, we need to learn how to practice. When there's some, all of us got flesh. All of us got desires. And when there's something that you like, something that you want, Something you think you've got to have. You've got to get past that. Got to get it now stage. Because that means it means too much to you. It's too much on your focus. Too much on your mind. And think about it night and day. Night and day. Night and day. I'm claiming and I'm confessing and I'm claiming and I'm confessing. Stop and ask yourself frequently. How's this going to help me? Do his plan for my life. And if it's not going to help you. It shouldn't be very high. On your list of priorities. Should it? If it's more important to you. Than all that. Then you're not seeking first the kingdom. Seeking first. A different kind of life. There's a life you want. That's pursuing something. That's other than. His plan, His will, and sadly, millions of church-going people, that's what they're doing. They know this verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God, but they're not doing it. And the reason I know is because I wouldn't do it. I was a Christian, Phyllis and I, we'd been saved, i had even gone to Bible school. And in some areas of my life, we're starting to put God first, but our finances just got worse and worse. Year after year. We made more money, but then we spent more than we made. How many of I don't care how much you got coming in. If you're still spending more than what you got, you're going to get in trouble. And this happened year after year. We got in in worse and worse shape. More and more behind. More and more behind. And I remember one day I came in and and I fell across the bed. And and as in there by myself, I said, God, I know this is not you. We've been like this for years now. I know this is not your fault. You don't miss it. We're missing it somewhere. Do you believe it's God's will for you to have all and abound? Then if you're not experiencing it, what needs to happen? You need to change, right? And you need to humble yourself and come before him and say, Lord, what do I need to do? What am I not doing? What am I doing wrong? And that's what I did. I said, Lord, what am I doing wrong? have mercy on me help me put me across the materials or the people or the ministries uh, whatever i need i'm asking help from your spirit and from your word and now I, I i've been to bible school i believed in prosperity i believed in healing i believed in miracles and the bible says when you cry out with all your heart the lord will hear you he'll answer you now if you're just playing he knows that but if you mean business he knows that too And I don't mean I got it all that day, but I can look back now and see he began to teach me and help me and bring me out. And it seemed like for the next five years, every day he was talking to me about it. I don't talk about hearing audible voices inside me, understanding and light was coming to me. And the first thing he did was take me to Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, the same thing that Luke 12 is talking about. What does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And among those things was just material needs of life. Food, clothes, housing, all that kind of stuff. And I could have quoted that to you. I could have preached you a message on that. (laughs) And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, Keith, I'm not hearing a voice now inside me. He said, Keith, many of my people know this, but like you. Are not doing it. He said you're violating the first principle of prosperity. We had gotten in trouble. We had gotten some new cars. And the payments were high. And the insurance was high. And we had gotten some other things. And we ate out a lot. A bunch of other things. And time we paid all our bills with our money. We didn't have any money left to give. Whose fault is that? So when people say perpetually. Well we don't have anything to give. Okay. Why don't you? I mean you know. Maybe on a given night or a week. But year after year after year. Decade after decade. It's because your priorities are wrong. And as I lay there. He began to show me. How that person after person. Good people that love God. Thoroughly saved. But when they get paid, or they make a sale, or they make a commission, or something, the first thing I could I could see it unfolding in front of me. The, the first thing they would do, a lot of times, the first thing they want to do is go out and celebrate, yeah. <laughs> spend money on a big dinner, or go buy them something at the department store, Walmart's, or wherever, make yourself feel good, you know, because you worked hard, you, you deserve it, boy. <laughs> and, you, and then you got you know you got to pay your uh, rent. Are your house payment, and of course your kids got to have things and, and do things, and maybe they need shoes or clothes, or, or there's a doctor bill, or there's a this or that. And then, after all that, show up at church on Sunday, hadn't even thought about an offering till it's offering time, and then say, well, I don't have anything left. Well, it's because your priorities are wrong. You're putting everything in the world ahead of Him. You're putting yourself ahead of Him. You're putting your kids ahead of Him. You're putting your house ahead of Him. You're putting your car ahead of Him. I'm not talking about unbelievers, I'm talking about church going people. And as long as you do that, you're on your own. And you're going to struggle. And I don't care. Maybe you did give some offerings. Maybe you did make some confessions. But you're violating the first principle of prosperity. It's not about giving a big offering. It's about a change that occurs in here. A change that happens inside you. And I finally begin to see it. The Lord had me read Haggai. And just two chapters. And I'd read it. And the Lord prompted me to read it again. And I'd read it. Read it again. Read it again. I read it I don't know how many times. And finally I saw it. In there he's talking about uh, the people say it's not time to build the Lord's house. And he says well is it time to build your house? (laughs) And they were putting their stuff ahead of his. And I finally saw it. We hadn't tithed. Because we didn't think we could. Kind of sort of did. Sometimes maybe. Which is the same as not. (laughs) And I saw it. I said Lord. I see it. I see it. I talked to Phyllis. We made the commitment. We got into scriptures. We said we are tithing. We're tithing. The Bible says render unto God the things that are God's. And to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Well what is God's? People say well it's all his. No that's not right. If it's all his you got nothing to give him. And if it's all his you shouldn't spend a dime of it on yourself. I'd be stealing because it ain't yours. That's not true. There is a portion that's his. It's 10%. It's the tithe. We made the commitment. We're going to tithe not after we pay our bills, before we do anything. The tithe's coming right off the top. And we set us up a separate account at the bank God account. And we took that tithe right off the top and we put it in there. You do that every time you get paid, you will have some money to give. You take a percentage off of everything that comes into you and say, that's God's money. It will accumulate and you will have something to give. If you never have anything to give, it's because you're not doing that. Your priorities are not there. And I saw it. I've moved too quick. I should have thought before I went in debt for all this stuff. I should have thought about what I'm going to have to give. And I didn't think about it properly. I just had car in my eyes. Car on the brain. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. And so I sold it. Lost money on it. But I got out from under that payment got out from under that insurance. We quit going out and eating so much and, and we paid off this little debt and, and everything that freed up. Then the Lord dealt with us, you need partners for the ministry I'm calling you to. And the first thing is not to believe me for partners. The first thing is to be a good partner. And so we committed to being faithful partners at $25 a month and and then we bumped it up to $50 a month and and then $100 a month. Are you listening, saints? And because money was being loosed up and freed up, we could do more. And as I'm telling you, I don't, I'd have to talk in tongues to try to express to you what happened. But doing that for just a couple of months, something happened in the spirit. Things begin to come. Checks just begin to come. Stuff and money and things. Here came a $10,000 check. We had never seen a $10,000 check. Never heard of such a thing. Never happened to us in our life. And I know what happened. It happened in here. It happened in here when we made the adjustment that we are going to put God first. We're going to put his things first, not ours. If the ministry needs something, if the church needs something, if the kingdom needs something, and we need something, you take care of the kingdom first. And then you believe for yours. And friend, I can tell you before the Lord, that's where Keith and Phyllis' life turned and changed. And we begin to come up, and some of the most amazing things happened. We owed $12,000 in back taxes. And by the end of the year, God dealt with a man who didn't even know we owed it to come and ask me, did I owe taxes? Well, you don't like to tell that kind of thing. But I said, yeah. He said, how much? I said, do you need to know? (laughs) he said yeah I need to know I told him he put his head down he said I'm going to send you a thousand dollars a month till that's paid I didn't ask him to the only way he knew about it is God told him to come ask me another multi-thousand dollar debt was just, the people called us and said you know forget about that it's taken care of it's done why not because we were trying to get the money not because we were trying to get the stuff and get ahead we changed and gave our focus to do what he told us to do to help other people do what he told them to do and as you're focusing on that what did he say he would do I he said will add all these things they'll come to you you won't chase them down I'll cause them to come to you and come on you do you believe this is the truth saints Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. If you would, just close your eyes. Don't look at me. I'm not the issue here. Focus on him. He's a good God. He's a good father. He said if a a son asks for bread... Would you give him a stone? No. And how much more should your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? He wants our needs met. But even more so, he wants you to put him first and have a heart for his things above your own. Nobody can make that decision for you. But old friend, if you're wise, you won't delay another day there's not going to be a better time in the future. Now's the time. Now's the day of salvation. Today's the accepted time, the scripture said. Close your eyes and pray this out loud loud enough. Hear it. Father God, Father God I, believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in your Son Jesus. That he died on the cross, on the cross. Paid, for sins, paid for my sins, and that you've raised him from the dead, and, the dead. and he's, alive right he's alive right now. I confess, I confess Jesus, Jesus is, Lord is Lord of my life. I'm not my Lord, I'm not my Lord. he is my, Lord. He is my Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for putting my things. My family's, things, my family's things, my children's things, my, children's things, my business things, my business things ahead, of ahead of you. That'll not prosper. That'll not prosper. I, desire I desire to put you number one, you number one in, everything. in everything. Work in me, Work in me. to will, to will. And, to and to do it. Grant me grace. Grant whereby I may serve you may serve acceptably, acceptably and well pleasingly. I believe, I believe you, want me to have you want me to have everything and the best of everything, best of everything. To, accomplish your plan, to accomplish your plan, to do your will, to do your will. And, cause me and cause me to live an abundant life And enjoy life richly. Richly. All good things things. to do your will. will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your hands. Thank him. Lift up your hands and praise him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.